Hi, and welcome to Halfwit History. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Kylie. And this is a show where we talk about the upcoming week, but a long time ago. And sometimes not so long ago. Yeah. Do we have any updates? You mean from like five seconds ago? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have none. I don't have any either. (laughs) Damn, I should have used that in-between time to look up Andy Warhol. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Whoops. Well, all right, moving along. So my... A topic is for the week of August 3rd through August 9th, and it takes place on August 3rd of 1977. I can't wait to get to the fun fact for this one. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this week, we're going to dive into the realm of conspiracy theories. Ooh. Sort of. Ooh. <laughs> um, I on- like the sort of, because that means it's probably true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, mm, yeah, but, uh, but, 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 yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> so on August 3rd, 1977, there was a joint hearing before the Select Committee on Intelligence and the Subcommittee on Health and Scientific Research of the Committee on Human Resources. That's a freaking mouthful. Yeah, wow. Of the U.S. Senate. Oh, it's a government thing. Yes. Of course it's a mouthful. Yes. Um, so this hearing was to investigate the some 20,000 documents that were recovered by a Freedom of Information Act concerning a CIA project on human behavioral modification called MK Ultra. Oh. Yeah. So the uh, conspiracy folks are probably losing their minds right now. Uh, but since there's just so much involved in this particular topic and like so many like side projects and studies and stuff that happened that were all kind of under the umbrella of MK Ultra or stemmed out of it. I'm kind of sticking to like the basic facts that like are like confirmable. Also, we are halfwit history. We're not trying to do deep dives here. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like I have like seven pages of notes, which I was like, I need to wrap this up. I need to wrap this up. I need yep. to stop. Otherwise, like it was I was gonna go down like the biggest rabbit hole ever and this episode would be eight hours long. Yeah, we are not Dan Carlin's <laughs> hardcore history. We are Jonathan and Kylie's halfwit yes. history. <laughs> yes. So just sticking with like the basics, pretty much. Here we go. All right. So, Project MK Ultra was the code name given to the CIA mind control and behavioral modification experiments that were conducted between 1953 and 1973. Experiments on humans were intended to identify and develop drugs and procedures to be used in interrogations in order to weaken the individual and force confessions through mind control. The project, organized through the Office of Scientific Intelligence of the CIA and coordinated with the United States Army Biological Warfare Laboratories. Fun. Yeah, was officially sanctioned on April 13th, 1953, and was placed under the direction of Sidney Gottlieb. The goal of MKUltra was to develop mind-controlling drugs for use against the Soviet bloc in response to alleged Soviet Chinese and North Korean use of mind control techniques on U.S. prisoners during the Korean War. Those crazy Russians. (laughs) So the CIA wanted to use similar methods on their own captives, basically eye for an eye, and was interested in manipulating foreign leaders with such techniques. So like controlling... Another political leader. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and apparently they devised several schemes to drug Fidel Castro. Okay. I have absolutely no idea if any of that actually happened, but there were like schemes in place. So take that what you will. <laughs> There's probably some conspiracy, conspiracy theorist out there going, they did it, it's their fault. But 
I have absolutely no idea. Well, I also I definitely know that there's a lot of a like Marxist type people that believe that all of these people were absolutely against Castro and that Castro was doing good things that were good for the population. And that's mm-hmm. why all the other governments hated him. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Oh, my God. So many uh, so many conspiracies and belief systems. to yeah. Delve down through that one. Yeah. So that's why I just kind of left it there. You can look into that if you want to. But I say dive at your own risk. Yes. <laughs> um, so some of the techniques used in the program included the covert administration of high doses of psychoactive drugs, um, mostly uh, LSD, which is scary, um, as well as other chemicals, um, electroshocks, hypnosis, sensory deprivation, isolation, verbal and sexual abuse, as well as other forms of what we would call torture. Otherwise known as every Netflix sci-fi series. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. (laughs) The program engaged in many illegal activities, and in case it wasn't clear from the previous list, it included the use of U.S. and Canadian citizens as unwitting test subjects, which led to controversy regarding legitimacy. Mm. Mm, Informed consent, my friends. (laughs) It wasn't used here. So the scope of Project MKUltra was broad, with uh, research undertaken at more than 80 institutions, including colleges and universities, hospitals, prisons, and pharmaceutical companies. The CIA operated using front organizations, although sometimes top officials at the institutions that like received the money to run these experiments were aware of the CIA involvement, and then sometimes they were completely oblivious. Okay. So, like, they got money to do this research, but didn't know where it came from. Right. Didn't know it was government funded. Right. Um, In some cases, academic researchers were funded through grants from these CIA front organizations, but were unaware that the CIA was using their work for these intended purposes. Um, So there's a lot of, like, debate about, like, sure, these, you know, professors and scientists did these tests, but they were purely hypothetical. And then the CAA was like, <laughs> we're using it. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> this isn't uh, research. This is practice. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to put this into use. And then uh, everyone else in the world went. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the project began during a period of paranoia at the CIA when the U.S. had lost its nuclear monopoly and the fear of communism was pretty much at its peak. You know, nukes are also a very good example of some people not knowing what they were making. True. There it is. <laughs> um, the CIA counterintelligence chief, James Angleton, believed that a mole had penetrated the organization at the highest level, and the agency poured millions of dollars into studies examining ways to influence and control the mind and to enhance its ability to extract information from a resistant subject, including... Uh, Mostly for during interrogation. Basically, he was like, someone snuck their way in here, and I'm going to find out who, and I don't care how I'm going to do it. Whether there was actually a mole or not, I have no idea. I always find it funny when they say a mole got into the highest levels, because when you think about it, mole is like a thing in the ground. And it buries, yeah, buries deeper. It goes down, (laughs) not up. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Oh, words are fun. Bury itself in so like in that sense it does make sense because a mole like embeds itself yeah the english language is weird strange yeah continue anyway so some historians assert that one goal of mk ultra and related cia project was to create a quote manchurian candidate style subject ah so like i've never read the book but 
we all fairly have a good idea of what that means, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Um, However, historian Alfred McCoy has suggested that the CIA attempted to focus media attention on these sorts of uh, what he called ridiculous programs so that the public wouldn't look at the researcher's primary goal, which was effective methods of interrogation. Right. So, you know, cry wolf and people will believe you, but it's actually like, you know, a squirrel (laughs) or something. I don't know. Strange idioms from Kylie. Yeah, I'm really tired, guys. It's fine. Cry wolf and people will believe you. The squirrel is there. (laughs) Sorry. Let's put the tiger on the table and talk about it. (laughs) I mean, yes, let's. Okay. So one document from 1955 presented at the Senate hearing gave an indication of the scope of the project. It refers to the study of an assortment of mind-altering substances in the sub-project as described Um, And I'm going to read you a list now. So one, substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipient would be discredited in public. So make someone well-respected do something real weird and paranoid and they'll never be trusted again. Mm -hmm. Two, substances which increase the efficiency of mentation and perception. So, you know, heighten your senses and awareness. Yep. Three, materials which would cause the victim to age faster or slower in maturity. Oh, interesting. Yep. Four, materials which will promote the intoxicating effect of alcohol. Five, materials which would produce the signs and symptoms of recognized diseases in a reversible way so that they could be used for um, malingering and et cetera. (laughs) Malingering? Malingering. (laughs) What does that Um, word mean? I, I... didn't I actually look it up? I oh. don't know. <laughs> I don't know what malingering is. Um, Listener, please tell us what malingering yeah, it, is. I mean, so like the, to me, that sounds like um, to like try and induce the signs and symptoms of a disease in someone to like hurt them, but then to be able to reverse it so that like it kind of all seems like it was in their head potentially. Gaslighting on the highest level is yes. what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so six, materials which would cause temporary or permanent brain damage and loss of memory. So that's scary. Seven, substances which would enhance the ability of individuals to withstand privation, torture, and coercion during interrogation and so-called brainwashing. So make it so much worse, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, eight, materials and physical methods which would reduce produce amnesia for events preceding and during their use. So torture someone and then they forget all about it or have someone do something crazy in public and by the time they come back they don't know they did the crazy thing exactly um nine physical methods of producing shock and confusion over extended periods of time and capable of surreptitious use 10 substances which produce physical disablement such as paralysis of the legs acute amnesia etc 11 substances which would produce a chemical that can cause blisters 12 substances which would alter personality structure in such a way that the tendency of the recipient to become dependent upon another person is enhanced. So, interesting. Like, falsely create a con- a connection between people. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. one. Um, <clears throat> 13, a material which would cause mental confusion of such a type that the individual under its influence would find it difficult to maintain a fabrication under questioning. So like... Almost like a truth serum kind of deal. Yeah, sounds yeah. like it. 
uh, 14, substances which would lower the ambition and general working efficiency of men when administered in undetectable amounts. So, like, undermining, like, a company or something like that. Yep. 15, substances which would promote weakness or distortion of the eyesight or hearing uh, faculties, preferably without permanent effects, so, like, reversible. 16, a knockout pill which could be surreptitiously administered in food, drinks, cigarettes, as an aerosol, etc., which would be safe to use, provide a maximum of amnesia, and be suitable for use by agent types in an ad hoc basis. Sound like something that is sometimes slipped into people's drinks Sounds like it, a little bit. Yep. And 17, a material which could be surreptitiously administered by the above roots, so like drink, food, etc., and which in very small amounts will make it impossible for a person to perform physical activity. So like, make someone like super lethargic sounds like quaaludes to me yeah yeah it does actually so yeah so like those are like some of the main goals and like like things that mk ultra was working on really odd though like you know for everything that they were trying to do and a lot of it relating to torture and mind control and all that stuff they seem to at least for most of those have a clause in there that they do want it to be reversible. Yeah, some of them did. Which, um, is, which is like kind of interesting because I feel like in some of those cases with some of the things that you would want to happen to people that you wouldn't be taking in reversibility and their health into account at all. Yeah, that's true. And I feel like some of this could be, some of the like reversible things could be more in terms of how they could use them on their own pre- people. And then be able to reverse it. So like. Or it's just specifically for espionage. Yeah. So that there's no way that someone can tell that this was done to a person. I right. Guess now yeah. That I'm thinking about it. Yeah. I feel like that's probably a good. That's probably. The, the side effect of no one being able to tell is that the person is still healthy at the end. It's yeah. not the goal. Yeah. 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 Um, so if anyone is caught up on season two of the Umbrella Academy. Uh, you basically saw a recreation of the MK Ultra Project type of interrogation, um, and I won't say more than that. But if you've watched it, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes. So uh, when I mentioned any Netflix sci-fi, I I was also very I was, specifically. Yes. I was thinking about Umbrella Academy. I was thinking about Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. Yeah. So it. It's an interesting, it's an interesting project. Okay, so one of the more objectionable things that the project did was use U.S. and Canadian citizens as unknowing research participants. Once Project MKUltra got underway, experiments included administering LSD to mental patients, prisoners, drug addicts, and sex workers, a.k.a. people who couldn't fight back, as one agency officer called it, essentially, which is deplorable. And definitely not the first and probably not the last time the government will do that. Like, the government has a history of using prisoners and people in health institutions as unknowing subjects in experiments. Yep. Which is the worst and makes me very angry. So. The older I get, the more I feel governments are just bad. Governments exist with good intentions. But they give people too much power. I think the problem is that the power attracts people who are bound to misuse it. Right. Like, good people don't necessarily want power. Yeah. So it's slippery slope. Very slippery slope. All right. I hate government. (laughs) 
So in uh, one case, they administered LSD to a mental patient in Kentucky for 174 days. Oh. Yep. That's a long trip. Yep. I Okay, so for clarification, I don't know if they were consecutive or if it's just like that one particular person was it given LSD for 174 uh, okay. days and like monitored. Like It sounds like it's probably it, continuous. Potentially. But... Um they also administered the drug to some CAA employees, military personnel, doctors, other government agents and members of the general public to study their reactions. I feel like I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One such one such study was Operation Midnight Climax. Yep, there it is. That's yep. I, I'd heard about that one. <laughs> in which the CAA set up several brothels within agency <laughs> safe, safe houses in San Francisco to obtain a selection of men who would be too embarrassed to talk about what happened. Basically, not willing to admit they went to a brothel and then got drugged. Yep. So they're not going to say anything. Um, the brothels were equipped with one-way mirrors, like in interrogation rooms, and probably videotapes as well, like to record the sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so the men were dosed with LSD, and the sessions were filmed um, for later viewing and study. So study. Not, yeah. So not, research. Yeah. So. <laughs> hmm. Or Blue Movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was getting at. So not only were they not informed of this study. But they were recorded, which makes it feel even more like a violation. What do you mean feel? It is. Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, not only like, I feel like the fact like, so like it's a huge violation to be drugged in the first place. But the fact that it was then recorded just makes it feel even dirtier. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, So some of the other not so nice studies included experiments where people were given LSD without their knowledge and then interrogated under bright lights with doctors in the background taking notes. They told subjects they would extend their, quote, trips if they refused to reveal their secrets. And the people under this interrogation were frequently CAA employees, U.S. military personnel, and agents suspected of working for the other side in the Cold War. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So long-term debilitation and several deaths actually resulted from these experiments. And we'll get to that a little bit later. So beyond use in interrogations, Gottlieb thought LSD would be used in covert operations. Since its effects were temporary, for the most part, he believed one could be given uh, one could give it to high-ranking officials, and in this way affect the course of important meetings, speeches, and the like. Yep. Since he realized there was a difference in testing the drug in a laboratory and using it in clandestine operations, he initiated a series of experiments where LSD was given to people in quote normal settings without warning. So at first, everyone in technical services try- tried it. Um, and a typical experiment involved two people in a room where they observed each other for hours and took notes. As the experimentation progressed, though, a point arrived where outsiders were drugged with no explanation whatsoever, and surprise acid trips became something of an occupational hazard among CAA operatives. Oh, goodness. Yeah, that's bonkers to me. That's absolutely insane. Oh, it's just, you know, it's just a hazard of the job. I might get high. And I, might not, trip. I might have an awful acid trip. My head may be in orange and I might want to peel it and I can't do that. <laughs> so occupational hazard is LSD. Yikes. What so, kind of benefits come with that? I don't think any. <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. So as you can probably imagine, adverse reactions often occurred. 
such as an operative who received the drug in his morning coffee, became psychotic and ran across Washington seeking a monster. Oh, seeing a monster in every car he passed, like in Washington, D.C., like downtown, just sprinting across the streets and screaming about monsters. Could have been real. I well new conspiracy theory. Oh gosh, please he saw the lizard people for what they don't are. Start new conspiracy theories, Jonathan. There well, are plenty out. I there. I guess this one isn't new that that Washington D.C. is filled with lizard people. Well, that's true. There was another experiment um, that resulted in Dr. Frank Olson, an army chemist who had never taken LSD and who apparently had um, a background of uh, like recorded like depression. Okay, so. Bad mixture. Um, he was covertly dosed by his CAA supervisor and nine days later plunged to his death from the window of a 13-story New York City hotel room, supposedly as a result of the deep depression that was induced by the LSD. You know, the more you talk about how frequently like different supervisors and coworkers are dosing people, the more it sounds like just a very bad office prank. <laughs> I mean, it's like the worst office prank the, because it resulted worst. in death. The worst. This is just... like the office, but on drugs. Yeah, it, it <laughs> sounds like the picture you're painting here is just every CIA agent has like a dose of LSD and they have like a quota of, well, you got to give it to people in the agency that you suspect at least twice a day. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Good I, luck. Yeah. Any any dream I ever had of potentially joining like a government agency is now gone like i know this is over but like mm. there were hard mm. air quotes on that over <laughs> if you guys didn't catch that on the other end of the mic who knows what experiments the government is doing also and food now for thought. i sound like a conspiracy theorist <laughs> also food for thought that will make me sound like one just remember that we didn't actually know medicine until the mid to late 80s. Yeah, like, that's true. <laughs> medicine wasn't really a thing until recently. Yeah. So if they were doing all of this stuff without knowing how the body worked, <laughs> I can only imagine the stuff that they're getting away with now. Yeah. Anyway, now that we're all paranoid. So. Tinfoil hat affixed. <laughs> so <laughs> Some participants. Oh, some subjects' participation was consensual, um, and in these cases, they appeared to be singled out for even more extreme experiments. In one case, seven volunteers in Kentucky were given LSD for 77 consecutive days. Uh, that's only a few short of what they'd normally do. <laughs> Which is why I'm, I'm thinking that the previous 174 days was not consecutive. Because it mentions consecutive here. Right, yeah. That's possible. Yeah. But I mean, that's still like the better part of a year. Yeah. Being on LSD. Like, yikes. Um, so MKUltra's researchers later dismissed LSD as too unpredictable in its results. Gee, I wonder oh, why. Oh, really? <laughs> it took you that long to figure this out? Uh -huh. CIA, Central yeah. Intelligence Agency. <laughs> yep. So they stopped attempting to use it as a mind control drug. What? But... <laughs> But it still held a place in the shadowy interrogation arsenal. So make someone have a bad enough trip and they might spill their secrets. Might. However, by 1962, the CIA and the Army had developed a series of super hallucinogens, such as the uh, highly reported BZ, um, which was thought to hold greater promise as a mind control weapon. This resulted in the withdrawal of support by many 
academics and private researchers, and the LSD research became less of a priority altogether. Yeah, I imagine when you start openly labeling things as weapon, a lot of your yeah. uh, academia will drop off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there was another interesting experiment within MK Ultra that was conducted in Canada by the British psychiatrist Donald Ewan Cameron, the creator of the, quote, psychic driving concept, which the CIA had found intriguing. So Cameron had been hoping to correct schizophrenia by erasing existing memories and reprogramming the psyche, which... Interesting concept. Doesn't sound like the worst thing, considering how bad schizophrenia can get. I would uh, bring up, even though this is completely fictional, the existential crisis that Alphonse in Full Metal Alchemist goes through, not knowing if his memories are real. Oh, yeah. I, I don't think... Mm rewriting someone's memories even with the intention of being good is necessarily a healthy thing or even like think about inception where you don't know if you're awake or asleep like that kind of thing possibly can get real trippy real bad i think so i, I would probably not maybe try and restructure someone's whole personality as <laughs> much as it sounds like it's uh, therapy. I was going to say, I'm thinking maybe I'd, I'd take the schizophrenia now, <laughs> if I'm being honest. I'll stick with that. <laughs> I, I honestly don't know what the better answer is in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the experiments were known as the Montreal Experiments, were funded by a CAA front organization, which was called the Society for the Investigation of Human Ecology. So, like, a very benign like kind of beneficial sounding name, but in fact is the CIA CIA. Yeah. Hiding in the background, going, here's my money. Well Do just wait until they attach thing. the word weapon to that organization, and then everyone <laughs> will realize. Yeah, right. Um so and as shown in internal CIA documents, Cameron didn't know that the money actually came from the CIA. So he was purely in it for the academics. <laughs> yeah. Um in addition to LSD, Cameron also experimented with various uh paralactic drugs as well as electroconvulsive therapy at 30 to 40 times the normal power Oy. yeah his quote driving experiments consisted of putting subjects into drug-induced comas for weeks at a time and up to uh, three months in one case yikes while playing tape loops of noise or simple repetitive statements his experiments were often carried out on patients who entered the institute for minor problems like anxiety and postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. So a lot of women. Yeah. Many of whom suffered permanent effects from his actions. His treatments resulted in victims' incontinence, amnesia, forgetting how to talk, forgetting their parents, and then thinking their interrogators were their parents. That's an interesting twist right at the end yeah, right there. Yeah, it feels very Stranger Things. To yeah. me. Yeah. Because Eleven called the... Papa. Yeah. Yep. Yowzers. So Naomi Klein argues in her book, The Shock Doctrine, that Cameron's research and his contribution to the MK Ultra project was not about mind control and brainwashing, but about designing, quote, a scientifically based system for extracting information from resistant sources. In other words, torture. You know, the, the thing about all these things is you can word them in ways that are very... Uh, intellectually stimulating like it would be very cool to learn how to do some of these things but you have to take a step back and say is it moral to learn how to do some of these things right and that's where this project really kind of like 
just like launches itself over the mor- morality line. <laughs> right. And not even like this project, but like a lot of the people who are asked to do these kind of research, like, yeah, you know, on, on first, uh, first glance, if I were a scientific researcher who was told, we think we n- understand a way to manipulate how you think. And, you know, just from hearing that, like your immediate reaction would be, this is interesting. This is groundbreaking. Let's I want to be it. a part of it. Right. But you not, have to. What is it being used for? And should I not be a part of this? Right. You have to take that step back and be like, okay, well, I can see the benefits, but how could this be misused? Yeah. And it, like, that's the big thing I think is that a lot of, I feel like a lot of really interesting research could happen, but there's too many extremely terrifying ways to misuse it yeah and that's like the problem i feel like it also kind of boils down to that uh you know kind of thought experiment i bring up anytime we talk about superpowers Mm -hmm. where it's like if you can see a superpower it's probably good if you can't see a superpower it's probably evil yeah so whenever you're trying to (laughs) do things with you know science and you think about how visible will the effects of this be if the answer is not visible, it's probably, it's probably bad. evil. Yeah. And if if it's not evil at its core, it can very much be misused for evil more more frequently than it could be used yeah. for good. So I guess now is a bad time to say that my immediate answer to your superpower question has always been telekinesis. And you go, okay, great. I'm You're living a with an evil person. And I'm like, oops. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> I mean, so, on, some of the cooler powers are uh, evil. Yeah. And yeah. like, you know, that circles back to scientists. Some of the cooler things to study are probably evil yep all right so cameron's research arguably set the foundation for the cia's two-stage psychological torture method which refers to first creating a state of disorientation in the subject and then second creating a situation of self-inflicted discomfort interesting Mm -hmm. um in which the disoriented subject can alleviate their pain by agreeing to do what the interrogators are asking them to do whether it's spill their secrets or or do something you know whatever it is sounds a lot like the saw movies Mm. here's the thing that we're torturing you for because you used to do it to yourself all the time if you just finish this one thing you can stop it all yeah so in the 1980s several of cameron's former patients actually sued the cia for damages which the canadian news program the fifth estate documented Their experiences and lawsuit were made into a 1998 television miniseries called The Sleep Room, which I'm now going to have to go track down and watch. Um, And I think so I think CIA mind controls uh, would complement nicely with my true crime obsession that has been ever expanding recently. Is it bad that I'm probably going to be more interested in your conspiracy stuff that you end up watching than I am in true crime? That's fine. Um, it was so it was learned that not only had the CAA funded Dr. Cameron's efforts, but that the Canadian government was fully aware of it and had later provided another five hundred thousand dollars to continue the experiments. So the Canadian government was in on it too. Governments are bad. Yikes. Um, this revelation largely derailed efforts by the victims to sue the CIA, and the Canadian government eventually settled out of court for a hundred thousand dollars to each of the hundred and twenty seven victims. Dr. Cameron died in 1967 of a heart attack while mountain climbing, but none of his personal records on his work with MK Ultra survived because his family destroyed them after his death. Interesting. Yeah. Yep. His family or the family? Well, uh, what I read said his family. Oh, okay. Probably because they saw it and went, 
oh, this is going to make yeah. him look so bad and oh, trashed God. it. Yeah. So beyond just uninformed participation in these studies or forcibly administering drugs to people in institutions, the CIA created secret detention centers in areas under American control in the early 1950s in Europe and East Asia, mostly in Japan, Germany, and the Philippines. And the U.S., um, basically anywhere that the U.S. could avoid criminal prosecution for whatever they did. Yep. The CIA captured people suspected of being enemy agents and other people it deemed expendable to undertake various types of torture and human experimentation, including the administration of psychoactive drugs, electroshock, severe temperature fluctuations, sensory isolation, and the like to develop a better understanding of how to destroy and to control human minds. Yeah. Yikes. Yep. Big yike. <clears throat> yep. So, as I'm sure many of you can imagine, a project like this was bound to ruffle some feathers. What? And, <laughs> and the MK Ultra project was reduced in scope in 1964 and then again in 1967. So, when 1973 and the Watergate scandal rolled around, the directors of the project were rightfully concerned. Yeah. <laughs> um, amid a government-wide panic, the CIA director Richard Helms ordered all MK Ultra files to be destroyed. Cool. Covering their tracks. So pursuant to this order, most CIA documents regarding the project were completely destroyed, making a full investigation into MKUltra impossible. But you did say at the beginning there was like 20,000 documents or something. Is that the number? Yep. Yeah, okay. A cache of some 20,000 documents survived the purge, as I mentioned in the beginning. They had, some, they had been incorrectly stored in a financial records building and were discovered following a Freedom of... Uh, Freedom of Information Act request in 1977. So was the Freedom of Information request not even related to M MKUltra and they just found it? I don't think it? so. It sounds like that that was a complete accident. Yep. What a gold mine. Yep. I, I, I have a sneaking suspicion that it was a request into like the allocation of funds in some way, like funding for things because it was a financial records building. Yeah, right? my God. And what, they what found MKUltra. Like, can you thing. imagine being that person going... What is this? I wouldn't know if I would have thought that, oh, my God, I'm about to be killed or, oh, my God, I'm about to be wealthy. <laughs> <laughs> so mo a lot of those most of those documents were actually financial in nature, um, but they there was a lot of other information. It exposed it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like you could just discern like from where the money was going, what kind of projects were being done and that kind of thing. So. I would argue that they weren't actually incorrectly stored because they were, in fact, financial in nature. Well, so the they fact were stored that they were in somewhere. a financial records building makes sense. But the wrong financial yeah. records building. Yeah, where they couldn't be disposed of with the rest of the stuff. Man, imagine being that one guy in the CIA who's, like, green. One job was to get rid of all of it. <laughs> well, no, I'm telling like, the, the, the green guy new to the CIA and his boss says, hey, go store these financial records. And... They go, yep, to the financial records department, not the super secret MK Ultra files. <laughs> Yikes. Thank you, whoever that was. Um, so <laughs> my comment here is, I guess it's a good thing they weren't in an archive, or I doubt they would have survived that purge. Because <laughs> like that, or other way, the archivist would have been like, there's no way you're getting this. Because well, I have mm, a feeling that yeah. the CIA has their own archives and archivists. <laughs> and yes. uh, Yeah, probably. They comply. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so I guess in this place, in this sense, it was a very good I, good thing that they were not in the place that they should have been. Yeah. Just remember, folks, compliance is murder in a lot of cases. 
that got dark real quick. Yep. But it is. In December of 1974, after the majority of incriminating documents had been destroyed, the New York Times alleged that the CIA had conducted illegal domestic activities, including experimentation on U.S. citizens during the 1960s. That report promoted or prompted investigations by the United States Congress in the form of the Church Committee and by a commission known as the Rockefeller Commission that looked into the illegal domestic activities of the CIA, the FBI, and intelligence-related agencies in the military. So in the summer of 1975, Congressional Church Committee reports and the Presidential Rockefeller Commission report revealed to the public for the first time that the CIA and the Department of Defense had conducted experiments on both unwitting and cognizant human subjects as part of an extensive program to find out how to influence and control human behavior through the use of psychoactive drugs such as LSD and mescaline and other chemical, biological, and psychological means. So I bet that was a real deep shock for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. And I bet there were a lot of people going like, I don't remember half of the 60s. Oh, God, I was in this thing. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Did I take that LSD on purpose? I can't remember. Did I start taking it on purpose? (laughs) Was I conditioned into taking it willingly? There were probably a lot of people having an existential crisis at this point. Yep. Um. Crisis after crisis after crisis. What a topic you picked, Kylie. I know, right? So they also revealed that at least one subject, Frank Olson, um, that I mentioned earlier, had died after the administration of LSD. Much of what the Church Committee and the Rockefeller Commission learned about um, MKUltra was contained in a single report prepared by the Inspector General's office in 1963 that had somehow survived the destruction of the records um, from 1973. So like this one report made it through, and that's what this entire commission was based on so i feel like that one report had to be really incriminating (laughs) right so it didn't contain a ton of detail unfortunately uh sydney gottlieb who had retired from the caa two years earlier was interviewed by the committee but claimed to have very little recollection of the activities of mk ultra sure you did it was like under your direct control sure you you did they also were just handing out LSD like candy. <laughs> Maybe he had too much LSD and forgot. Yeah. <laughs> so following the recommendation of the church committee, President Gerald Ford in 1976 issued the first executive order on intelligence activities, which, among other things, prohibited, quote, experimentation with drugs on human subjects, except with the infirm- informed consent in writing and witnessed by a disinterested party of each human subject. So, you know... Like how we do like drug trials now where you have to agree to participate. How about you uh, follow the existing laws is what that executive order said, because yeah. I'm willing to bet that the, that was still law. Nuremberg Code. Yeah. So in accordance with the guidelines. Oh, yeah. So they, they had to follow the guidelines issued by the National Commission. Hey, no. y- rules apply to you, too. Yep. Aw, dang. Yep. That's pretty much it. So subsequent orders by Presidents Carter and Reagan expanded the directive to apply to any human experimentation, not just like drugs. Um, then in 1977, during the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence hearing on MKUltra, Admiral Stansfield Turner, then Director of Central Intelligence, revealed the discovery of the said 20,000 documents, which proved much more information than the Inspector General's report had and was able to like essentially give a much darker picture of what was actually happening in MKUltra. Right. 
So unfortunately, I wish I could say that all the unwitting participants were fairly compensated for what happened, um, but given the CAA's purposeful destruction of most records, its failure to follow informed consent protocols with thousands of participants, the uncontrolled nature of the experiments, and the lack of follow-up data, so like, they didn't follow up with these people either to see if like they survived their acid trip. Yeah, just here you go, yeah. out into the world. Yeah, exactly. We're done with you. Or if it had like lingering, like permanent addiction or anything like that. They were like, here's your acid and we're going to watch what happens on your really bad trip, but we don't care what happens to you after. Which kind of goes against their initial premise of what they wanted to test because they were saying, we don't want this to have any effects. So they never even tried to follow up on that nope. earlier statement of this. none of these things should have effects. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the full Im- impact, as you can imagine, of MK Ultra experiments, including deaths, is, will probably never be known. Like, we will probably never know exactly how many people it affected or even potentially killed. So, like, it's kind of a terrifying question mark in history, if you ask uh, it's me. It's fine. We understand how <clears throat> vile our government is. So mm. the, no, there's nothing that a, a few hundred or a thousand more deaths won't change about that. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so a number of survivors fo- filed lawsuits against the federal government for conducting experiments without informed consent, good for them, and although the government sought to avoid legal liability, several plaintiffs did in fact receive compensation through court order, out-of-court settlements, or acts of Congress. Frank Olson's family received $750,000 by a special act of Congress, and both President Ford and the CIA director at the time, William Colby, met with Olson's family to formally apologize. So, little late. Because I'm sure they would have preferred to have Frank alive, but here we are. Yep, yep. Yep. Incidentally, there is a legal doctrine known as the Ferris document or doctrine that prohibits members of the armed forces from suing the government for any harms that were inflicted, quote, as incidents of service. Hmm. Which in this case meant that any military members who were unknowingly or unwillingly administered drugs as part of MKUltra could not sue for recompense for the go- from the government. And this was upheld by the Supreme Court in 1987 in a 5-4 to four decision on U- the United States versus Stanley. The majority argued that, quote, a test for liability that depends on the extent to which particular suits would call into question military discipline and decision-making would itself require judicial inquiry into and hence intrusion upon military matters. Don't question our authority is what they're saying. Well, basically, they said that the military doesn't fall under the rules of the government. Right. So, yikes. Yeah. Their authority is final. Yeah. However, Justice William Brennan argued in dissent, stating that the need to preserve military discipline should not protect the government from liability and punishment from serious violations of constitutional rights, and then alluded to the importance of the Nuremberg trials and the impression that they had made on the entire world that experimentation with unknowing human subjects is morally and legally unacceptable. Yep. So good job, you dunces. So to end on a slightly more lighthearted note, what? in 1990, when former U.S. Marshal Wayne Ritchie learned that of the MK Ultra Project's existence, he alleged the CIA laced his food or drink with LSG at a 1957 Christmas party, which resulted in his attempting to commit a robbery at a bar and his subsequent arrest, and I would assume loss of his job as a U.S. Marshal. Probably. While the government admitted it was, at that time, drugging people without their consent, the U.S. District Judge found Ritchie could not prove that he was, in fact, one of those victims or that LSD had caused his robbery attempt and dismissed the case in 2007. 
So if you committed a felony in the 1950s and 60s, you could blame just, it on LSD. Just say the government slipped you LSD. You I may mean, not be able to actually prove it. Yeah, but it obviously could give it didn't you work for this guy. But... Potential plausible deniability, or at least make other people think that maybe you aren't actually a robber. Just a thought. Don't actually do that. I am not recommending that you do that. That is such a bad idea. So as for known subjects of MKUltra, Ken Casey, author of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Robert Hunter, an American musician known for his association with Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead, were both said to have been early volunteers for the MKUltra project at Stanford University. Interesting. Yep. So Casey's experiment, while under the influence of LSD, inspired him to promote the drug outside the context of the MKUltra experiments, which influenced the early development of hippie culture. Uh-huh. Yep. Hunter claimed the experiments were creatively formative for him, and the creative surge he experienced would provide uh, would prove influential on the Grateful Dead's collective outlook and their like music. Yep. A name that Jonathan will recognize, Boston mobster James Whitey Bulger alleged that he had been subject- subjected to weekly injections of LSD and subsequent testing while in prison in Atlanta in 1957. Honestly, probably not false. Probably not false. Um, other alleged subjects include Saran Saran, the man who assassinated Robert F. Kennedy, and Ted Kaczynski, better known as the Unabomber. Yes. Um, Saran's attorney suggested he may have been a test subject and was acting under MKUltra mind control techniques at the time that he committed the pr- crime, but there doesn't appear to be any like solid proof of that. So Hard to have solid proof when all you have is 20,000 financial records. Yep. <clears throat> um, that weren't even exposed at the time. So right, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kaczynski was a subject of a voluntary psychological study alleged by some sources to have been a part of MK Ultra while he was at Harvard. Kaczynski supposedly spent over two hundred hours participating in a study described by author Alston Chase as a quote purposely brutalizing psychological experiment. That was led by Harvard psychologist Henry Murray. Murray's experiments aimed to measure reactions among unknowing undergraduates to severe stress and were submitted to what Murray called, quote, vehement, sweeping, and personally abusive attacks. And they were specifically tailored assaults to their egos, cherished ideas, and beliefs that were used to cause high levels of stress and distress in the subjects. The subjects then viewed recorded footage of their reactions to this verbal abuse repeatedly. So clearly, using unknown subjects in the 50s and 60s really wasn't that uncommon. Mm. I'm suddenly really glad I wasn't alive then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for other reasons, I would have made a really bad housewife. <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately, Gottlieb dismissed his entire effort for the CIA's MKUltra program as useless after his retirement. The CIA insists that MKUltra-type experiments have been abandoned, although Canadian investigative journalist Elizabeth Nixon, whose mother had been a subject, claims that they continue today under a different set of acronyms. So really, who knows? And to the FBI personnel monitoring my browsing history, don't get any ideas. Yeah, my FBI agent, get out of here. <laughs> so that is MKUltra. Very cool. I am now horribly terrified. <laughs> <laughs> Tinfoil hat. Engage. Oh, it's been engaged ever since I started this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, please though, don't get any ideas, scary FBI man who's watching my every move. <clears throat> On to the call to action. Yes. 
So you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Halfwit History. You can go to our website, www.halfwit-history.com, and you can send us emails to halfwitpod at gmail.com. Yeah, so if anyone has any uh, topic requests, uh, any more uh, conspiracy theories you want to explore. um, That's how you're going to get hour-long episodes like we just got today, is giving highly conspiracy (laughs) theories. I just, I fall down the rabbit hole with it, like... It was so hard to keep this as streamlined as possible because I just wanted to follow every other little thing and I couldn't. Yeah. So if anyone's interested, there's a whole heck of a lot more conspiracy surrounding MKUltra that you can dive into. So Maybe next year Kylie can do a part two that's a little more in depth. That's just all of the crazy theories that people have. Yeah. I mean, I could, but then I'd we'll be see. even more terrified than I am now. <laughs> So thank you to the Fishermen for the use of our theme song, Another Day. You can find a link to their SoundCloud down in our show notes. You should go check them out. Pretty good. Yeah. On to fun facts. Fun facts. I'm excited for my fun fact. Okay, then you go first. Because it'll probably end up being my topic next year if I happen to get this week. Oh, all right. On August 5th of 2003, FLCL hits Adult Swim. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, FLCL or Fooly Cooly is... In anime, it is probably my favorite anime. It's it's up there. Uh-huh. Um, and it kind of fits with both topics that we were just talking about. <laughs> like last week's uh, Andy Warhol topics about, you know, things that have a plot aren't necessarily interesting. Um, that can definitely apply to Fooly Cooly. Uh-huh. So we can talk about that later. But um, yeah, it, it's one of those things that you can rewatch over and over again because there's just so many interactions between the characters but there's no real direction to how the show goes yeah it's Um, it's pretty good i actually liked it you kind of liked it i was a little thrown by it but like uh... it is probably the most abstract show you will watch yeah just just right up there it yeah it is the most abstract Um, it was very uh, hard to follow yeah (laughs) for me personally yeah Anyways, we'll talk about that more next year or whatever year I get to be able to talk about that because Fooly Cooly is extremely good. <laughs> All right. Okay, so my fun fact is from August 7th, 1953. Um, so although Ohio is listed as the 17th state in the U.S., it's technically number 47 huh? because Congress forgot to vote of a formal on the formal resolution to admit Ohio to the union. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Poor Ohio. <laughs> so it is 17th in our hearts, but in fact is actually 47th. Wow, okay, that's so, interesting. Yeah. I saw that and went someone screwed up real bad. <laughs> well, and as always, I've been your halfwit and I'm your tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist for today. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Can I be the historian then? Sure, for today. (laughs) (laughs) You said you'd never give me that. I'll let you have it today. Just today. (laughs) Well, either way, we hope to see you next week. (laughs) Bye-bye.